you make the same commitment that you will absolutely, sir, that you will absolutely accept the result of this election? I will look at it at the time. I'm not looking at anything now. I'll look at it at the time. Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. That, of course, was Donald Trump last night during the third and final presidential debate of this 2016 presidential campaign, refusing to say that he will automatically accept the results of the election. Have you ever seen anything like that before? I know I haven't. I know that this is bizarre and strange territory, but it's getting a little more normal, right? The whole campaign has been full of bizarre and strange territory, especially on one side of the ticket. And that is where we begin our conversation today. Donald Trump seems to at least to drop at least one unprecedented bombshell relating to American democracy at each of this debates. Last time it was saying he might lock Hillary Clinton up if he became president. This time it was questioning the outcome of a presidential election that has yet to be held. Think back to 2000 when Al Gore locked in a battle with George Bush over votes in Florida, stepped down and said, you know what? What's more important is that we have finality. What's more important is that the next president be able to govern the country with good faith. And so we're not going to question the outcome of the election. We're not going to prosecute every single issue until it's gone. I don't know that we're going to see that this time with Donald Trump uh, in the 2016 presidential election. So we are going to talk most of the day today about the presidential debate. We're going to talk about this issue of accepting results of elections. I think that is new territory for us uh, in this country to be really thinking and talking about whether uh, an election is final, whether the peaceful transference of power from one administration to another might be shaken by someone who says, well, this is not fair. This is not the way it goes. We also want to hear from you about what you think about the election generally. What are you thinking about the issues? What did you think of Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, the things they said last night? Certainly last night's debate had a little more substance to it than debates one and two. Chris Wallace, the moderator, I think did a better job of keeping them focused, keeping them on task uh, and moving through the issues one at a time without major, major distractions. Uh, Did you get more out of last night's debate than you felt like you got out of the first or the second? Are you closer to being able to make a decision if you're somebody who's undecided because of the debates? 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page uh, and put your comments there or hashtag us Detroit Today on Twitter. We'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Joining me now, though, to talk about last night's debate and where we are, not just in terms of debates, but uh, also where we are in terms of presidential politics, where we are in terms of America, uh, are two experts on the issue. Nancy Derringer is a reporter at Bridge Magazine, and Matt Friedman uh, is the principal of Tanner Friedman PR firm. Both of you guys, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Um, so, as I said, I've never seen anything like what Donald Trump said last night from a major presidential candidate, forecasting the idea that he might not accept the outcome of the election. Of course, this fits a little bit into the narrative 
that we see coming out of the Republican Party about the idea of voter fraud, the idea that there are lots of people voting who shouldn't be voting. There are people who are voting twice. There are people, uh, you know, manipulating the system in a way that makes the elections unfair. Of course, all of the studies that I've read suggest that's not true. At the same time, we still have a major party insisting that it is and pushing this narrative. Donald Trump takes it a little bit further, I think, than most Republicans. But this is all part and parcel of the idea of attacking the system, attacking our way of doing things. I don't know that, uh, that it's defensible. Uh, on on any on any basis, Nancy. No, it's not defensible at all. And some of his um, apologists that I heard um, on uh, All Things Consider Morning Edition, rather, um, were saying basically, "Oh, this is just a ploy. This is just you know," and it, it's just you know, I'm not inclined to vote for Donald Trump, and I don't I don't mind saying that as a journalist. But at the same time, I I could hear the sound of millions of loyal Republican souls like dying <laughs> at that moment. I mean, it was kind of like, you know, that thing in Star Wars when the Death Star, <laughs> the Death Star blows up the, the innocent little planet because basically he's not only showing contempt for the process, he is saying, and, and his apologists by defending him are saying, hey, we're just doing a reality show here. You know, this is just the big, the big moment before the final act uh, resolution. You know, this is you know, Amorosa, we think she's going, but she's not going. I mean, this is just, it's, it really, and that's really what this campaign has been. It's yeah. been him making a very serious process in the most powerful nation on the globe into a cheap, tawdry reality show. Yeah, I mean, the idea of this being some sort of showmanship, I think, is is an interesting contemptible. concept, right? And, yes. and, and certainly contemptible if that's what he's doing. But it, it does make sense in the sense, in the context of his history, right? This is somebody yeah. who who understands maximizing uh, this kind of thing for entertainment value as opposed to respecting the political process or even having a policy discussion, which they were doing last night, I felt like, before we got to this point. Uh, they were actually talking about issues, but uh, as usual, he went off the rails. Uh, Matt Friedman, you you, you work with uh, many uh, people in the political process, candidates, campaigns, things like that. I'm wondering, and I have wondered this for a while, when you're when you are trying to prepare somebody for something like a presidential debate, I would imagine you'd talk about these kinds of things, staying on message, avoiding traps that the other candidate sets for you to step in, uh, not appearing to, to sort of uh, be inflammatory, things like that. Donald Trump seems to avoid, if he's getting that coaching, he seems to avoid taking any of it to heart. Yeah, we, we deal with businesses primarily and CEOs often in media interviews, often in crisis or bad news situations. What he did last night is something that we hope every client does not do when they get the opportunity. <laughs> And that is he committed an act of news. He made news and said something that was going to be a headline instead of getting his message out, which was supposed to be, here's why you should vote for me to be president. Right. Instead, he stole the headlines, as he has had the tendency to do. And the challenge for their campaign in this situation, I would think, is this was a moment that in a fragmented media environment, the whole audience was together watching the one moment. It was really his last opportunity to talk to a mass audience rather than segments of the audience as the campaign has been. 
And instead of taking that opportunity to talk about why he should be elected, he made news. Yeah, yeah, and not good news. Not good news. I mean, the line I wrote down last night is, I'm going to keep you in suspense. (laughs) And the first thing I thought of, what is this, stay tuned for a very special episode? (laughs) Of Donald Trump, the president. The candidate. It it sounded like TV. It's sweeps month, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and I wonder, uh, I mean, again, the coaching that goes on, behind the scenes for candidates like this, as you say, even in the business context, uh, the, the frustration that they must be feeling every time he gets out, uh, even even at campaign stops <clears throat> in front of the microphone and just wanders off message. I mean, this, this is the most consistently off message candidate I think I've ever seen. Absolutely. I, I think the only speech he's done where he was really on message was the one here in Detroit. In August at the Economic Club, which is, in full disclosure, a client of mine, and I was there, and he stuck to a script. Yes. And when have we heard him talk about his economic plan in those terms since? We haven't. Last night was the opportunity to do that, and when they got to the economy, he talked about everything but his economic plan. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Nancy Derringer, a reporter at Bridge Magazine, and Matt Friedman of the Tanner Friedman P- uh, Public Relations Firm. Uh, we're going to be joined a little later by Henning Hogue, a journalist with the Denmark paper BT Daily. He's based here in Metro Detroit, and he's reporting on American culture and politics. He will have I think a lot to add to this conversation <laughs> as well. Well, that's going to be a book that writes itself. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, tell us what you thought about last night's debate. What did you think about what Donald Trump said about the election? Maybe not accepting the results of the election. I've never seen a major party candidate do that before. Uh, what does that mean? What does that mean not just for this election, but for American democracy, the whole process of choosing a new leader and the peaceful transition of power. Also, what did you think about the issues that the candidates talked about last night? Uh, We got more substantive debate, I felt, out of last night's uh, uh, meeting between the two candidates than we had in the first two debates. Uh, What did you think of it? What uh, What did you take away from what Donald Trump said about the economy, about immigration, uh, about national security. What did you take away from what Hillary Clinton said about those issues and how she was asked to defend herself with regard to things like the Clinton Foundation, uh, for instance? Uh, lots of lots of questions about that. 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. It's 313-577-1019. I especially want to hear from Republicans or conservatives who are watching this and I think having to make a very different kind of decision than they usually have to make. You have a candidate who is off message, who is sort of tilting against some uh, sort of standard bearer conservative issues uh, and positions. What are you taking away from this about what you ought to do on November 8th? We had a conversation a few days ago with Republicans uh, about that, and uh, I'm still curious. What are you thinking? Did, did last night change your mind or solidify your position? Again, 313-577-1019 is the number. Uh, go to the WDT Facebook page or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll also try to work those comments into the conversation. Uh, Nancy, substantively, like I said, this was a better debate than the other two. Part of that had to do with the moderator, Chris Wallace. A uh, pleasant surprise uh, you know, He uh, was... He he was he was fair. He was tough. He pressed. He followed up when it was called for. I was, you know, I 
kind of came away a believer. Yeah, yeah. And I was I was a little worried <laughs> about yeah. Chris Wallace going into this and the fact that this was a Fox News debate, uh, which, uh, you know, I mean, that's not a network that we think of when we think of, of neutrality. But he was a he was a very he was a very fair moderator. Uh, what did we learn, though, about the candidates' positions last night that we maybe didn't know or about the contrast between the candidates? Boy, I don't think we really learned anything. I mean, there were other than um, the various uh, uh, buckets that that uh, Trump kicked over on the stage. It was hard to say <laughs> that we really learned anything. If you're even moderately well informed, you should have been um, there shouldn't have been too many surprises there. I mean, I thought that it was as a as a. I'm going to play the nasty woman card here. <laughs> and as a female, um, I was I was very pleased to hear a full-throated defense from a woman of Roe v. Wade. Um, and yeah. her, I thought that some of the most powerful moments of uh, Clinton's performance last night were when she basically said these you know this narrative that has emerged around abortion particularly later in uh, later term abortion is simply wrong um and of course you know trump just walked into that trap with the, some of the dumbest statements that he that he made all night you factually, know factually factually inaccurate the factually inaccurate doesn't even i mean it, it seems abortions like, a day or two before uh, the full term which is, which is absolutely preposterous yeah. i mean to say it's factually um inaccurate is 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 <laughs> really an insult kind to, to facts. exactly yes it's an insult <laughs> to facts um, but you know to hear her say these are incredibly difficult decisions that are made by women who have to who have to do this you know later in a pregnancy and they should be respected by the rest of us in government ought to butt out of it. Yeah. I thought that was that was probably my favorite. And we were from talking her. we were talking before the show about this idea of the traps that get laid for Donald Trump in right. these in these uh, debates uh, by Hillary Clinton and sometimes by the moderators. And that's that's by design. This I thought was one of them. Uh, there, there is not much ambiguity uh, among the American public, male or female, about. Roe v. Wade. Right. By 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 large, large, large numbers, people believe that it should survive. Uh, there was a way he could have answered that question that would have gone around uh, saying that it should be overturned, but of course he no. he couldn't resist. No. And so I, I thought, uh, number one, I agree with you about Clinton's answer and and the depth and complexity of it. But I think she's been doing that pretty consistently on a lot of issues. Right. Uh, but but for him, uh, he he just walked right into it mm -hmm. uh, by saying, "Well, of course, I would appoint judges who would overturn it, and it would go back to the states." Which, yeah. uh, of course, is you know really is a hot button issue for people who care about uh, who care about that. Yeah, that, that absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead, Matt. Well, I, I think in terms of the, the issues and what we learned, Nancy's right, we didn't learn a whole lot. Um, and, and there were opportunities for each of the candidates to talk a whole lot more about their policy positions. And they both really chose not to do that. There were times when uh, Secretary Clinton was asked about some things that are right in her wheelhouse and she chose to attack Donald Trump yeah. rather than provide more detail. So I think she had a missed opportunity. She as, Talk as about a, which, she, which 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 issues. Well, felt she, like had a, she did as it. a lawyer, there were a few issues, particularly in the beginning of the debate, 
um, ab- abortion in Roe versus Wade being one, Second Amendment being another, the Supreme Court in general, uh-huh. where she is much more knowledgeable as a lawyer and a, and a, than, than he, than he could, could be. ever be. Sure. And she didn't really take that opportunity fully because she kept pointing the finger back at him. Now, that ended up being effective in terms of political theater. But if she would like people to be more enthusiastic about voting yeah, for her and yeah. not just against She's him, gotta give people she more. missed that opportunity in, in a few different cases. The national debt later in the debate being another one and entitlements being another one were things that have really not been brought up much sure. during this cycle yeah. where she was well prepared, but she had to get those digs in. And that's a real fundamental difference between politics and just about everything else. Sure. Well, and also, I mean, you, th- you think about the positioning of this debate. This is the last debate before the election uh, strategy wise I think in her mind and in the in the mind of her campaign certainly the 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 key was to get him off message to, to not allow him to sort yeah. of they, they wanted to finish him off that's right that's the impression right. I get yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to the phones lots of people no surprise want to talk about last night's debate uh, let's go to Tom in Franklin Tom welcome to Detroit today Thank you, Stephen. Sure. Um, I know that other topics have pushed this from the headlines, but we're just finishing nine months of what is likely going to be the hottest year on record, one and a quarter degrees above the pre-industrial norm, and there was no, no discussion of global climate change. And I think that is very curious. And I'll take my response off the air. Yeah. Thank you. Tom, Tom, That's thanks very, very good... much uh, for that call. And you're, of course, absolutely right. But, of course, Donald Trump answered that question, said this is all a conspiracy by the Chinese. I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure what more you are asking for, Tom. Uh, <laughs> I noticed that on Twitter that was probably, uh, that was a big theme that emerged is, you know, why why weren't there any questions about this? And, and maybe, maybe that's something that can be laid at the foot of Chris Wallace. Um, you know, I, yeah. I feel like I don't want to hear another word about emails. I don't want to hear another word about, well, I don't know. You can't, there were, there was, it was, he did a good job, but yeah. I, I would have appreciated that, that, not, yeah. that question. It was there. not one of the, it was not one of the areas. That no, I it wasn't he, one of the areas, but I thought it, it would have been to nice to. to have that yeah. as just kind of a. There's this whole category now called fitness to be president, sure. question yeah. mark. Yeah. And right. that really took away from yes. where some logical issues that probably being one of them. Yeah. 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 And that whole idea of fitness to be president again, that is a trap for Donald Trump. Nobody's questioning uh, Hillary Clinton's fitness to be the president. I mean, I and it's also are... something we wouldn't even be asking that question in 2012 right. or or even right. in or 2008. I mean, it just wouldn't have it it, it was a question that came with him, yes. not with Right. The buzzword else. in 2000 was fuzzy math. Right. There wasn't yeah. a whole lot of math discussed right. in any of these debates this year. <laughs> there was no math. There will be no math. All right. Uh, we're also joined now by uh, Henning Hoag, a journalist with the Denmark paper BT Daily. He's based here in Metro Detroit and reporting on American culture and politics. Henning has joined us in the past to talk about this election. Henning, welcome back to Detroit today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, let's quickly get your take on what we saw last night. I, I actually have not spoken to you since the debate started. I think the last time you were in was right before uh, right before the, the, the first debate. G- give me your take on what we saw, not just last night, but over the three, uh, the three debates themselves. And, and from your perspective, of course, uh, someone who's from another country watching this uh, somewhat as an outside observer. 
it's kind of been a yeah, obviously a three-step rocket going from maybe shocking the first one, second one kind of entertaining, and the third one just being plain depressing. <laughs> and, and and in Denmark, people have started asking instead of what is he doing, to why is he doing it? Yeah, because he it was almost like he didn't even bother to hide his own lack of enthusiasm. It was almost like he was handing the whole thing to Hillary Clinton and not even bothering. Just kind of focusing on, as you said before, with the reality show aspect of it, and not even he didn't even really seem there. He yeah. was more like just a that's interesting a barn door sized ghost in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed his makeup was toned down considerably he last night, and he looked he looked less tan. robust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was in the glower, you know, that right. he always does. Right, Henning, uh, uh, are people in in Europe, uh, as you say, they're asking why? Um, are are they dubious that this is that this is for real? I mean, are they, are they dubious that this is a sincere campaign? Last time you were on, we talked about the fact that, in you know, even in Europe, we see really bombastic candidates frequently uh, in 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 elections, and they are quite serious, and sometimes they get elected. Uh, what what's the sense of what Donald Trump sort of represents uh, here in America? If you when you look at Europe, Denmark is not necessarily obviously like more like southern part sure. of Europe. As I said last time as well, the the extremes in Denmark are quite moderate. So we when we go quote unquote crazy <laughs> to American still Denmark, within the, the, the kind yeah. of uh, subdued. Um, what was the question again? I'm sorry uh, about about the, <laughs> the sense of Donald Trump. What what he represents is is he something that. They they doubt is sincere, or they or does it seem like uh, you know an iteration of of xenophobia and fear that that they identify with with Americans. The Danish perception is very much that the the doubt is creeping in even more. So it was creeping in to begin with. Now it's kind of set a set a place because he doesn't seem genuine. He doesn't even, as I said, seem to bother to hide the fact that he's not. So, so we're all kind of expecting for him to kind of jump out like another Joaquin Phoenix or Shia LaBeouf and say, oh my goodness, the whole thing was just a big old <laughs> hoax and here's my reality show and right. my TV station and my new brand of aftershave. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't seem like he's really then. He doesn't even seem upset about it. He yeah. seems upset, but more like because he can't win. He doesn't really win what he's, uh, what he's uh, claiming to want to win. He's yeah. just in it for the... Reality effect. It yeah, seems, that's right. and it uh, seems depressingly clear. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it is, and and I, I, you know, I'm very curious always about what people in other countries are thinking as they're watching this. Uh, let's go back to the phones here, Delphine in Macomb County. Yes, welcome, uh, welcome to Detroit today. Yes, uh, good morning. Uh, you know what? I just want to make a quick comment on last night. Uh-huh. Uh, it made me sad that uh, Trump was saying he will not accept the results of the election. It's like he's making America slide into the third world country status. I'm a citizen and migrated from the Philippines. Uh, it's making me sad that uh, there are people, I mean, like uh, somebody like him trying to run for the highest office in the land, like saying he will, he will see if he will accept or not. And it's like... Uh, I, it's really depressing for me. I still look up to my country now. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I, that's what my observation is. I hope people will realize this thing. Uh, did, the, do, you, do you think? I mean, do you think it's possible that he will 
sort of question the election in a way that that would cast doubt on it going forward? Or do you think he's just talking? I mean, do you think he's just posturing? Uh, it's like I understand. Maybe he's just trying to, like, uh, steer the headlines to him now, you know. It's <laughs> right. like... It's it's like it seems like he doesn't care anymore. And what will the his followers will think? You know, I know there are people who are re- really totally sold out to him, and he should be the one to say we are united. We'll see the results. The majority of the people will sure. take me as president. That's good. Or the other one, that's good. We'll work together for the good of all. Obas here. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Delphin, thank you very much for the call. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about last night's final presidential debate between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. Stay with us on the phones, 313 577 1019. That's 313 577 1019. We will get to you and get you into this conversation. Stay with us on Detroit Today. News, culture, community, every day on 1019 WDET, a different kind of public radio. On the day when I was in the Situation Room monitoring the raid that brought Osama bin Laden to justice, he was hosting The Celebrity Apprentice. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. That, of course, was Hillary Clinton taking a hard shot at Donald Trump, her opponent in the presidential election last night at the third and final presidential debate. She says, I was in the room when big decisions got made. You were off uh, being a fancy star and a silly person <laughs> on television. That it was one of the more... Uh, one of the more effective jabs that she she threw at Donald Trump. Uh, uh, my guests today are Nancy Derringer, reporter with Bridge Magazine, Matt Friedman of the Tanner Friedman Public Relations Firm, and Henning Hogue, a journalist with Denmark paper BT Daily, based here in Metro Detroit. He's covering American culture and politics for that publication. We're talking about the debate last night and uh, what it means going forward. What does it mean for election night when Donald Trump says uh, maybe we won't have finality, the finality that is so familiar to us here in this country because he may question those results? What does it mean for the parties going forward? Uh, Does the Republican Party look the same in January (laughs) that it did before? Or has Donald Trump altered it in a way that uh, will require significant uh, significant rethinking uh, come January. And what does it mean for American democracy? What does it say about our politics that we have had such an unusual, um, maybe even outlandish presidential campaign in 2016? 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and leave your comments there or hashtag Detroit Today on Twitter. And we'll try to work your comments into the conversation that way. Uh, Matt Friedman, uh, one of the things that you have been talking a lot about on social media is the media coverage of these debates uh, and the analysis, the endless analysis. It now starts, I believe, two or three hours before the debate on cable television, CNN and MSNBC, bringing in all kinds of people to sit and talk about what they think they're going to see. 
Then we get an hour and a half of the debate, and then for the next two hours afterward, we get more of that. Lots of talking heads on TV sort of giving their 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 sense of what happened. You're not a big fan of the stuff that we see there. Quite often, <laughs> it's like watching your Facebook feed play out on television, uh, and that doesn't really add anything to the discussion. And watching last night in particular, what, what really struck me was CNN. And CNN's been real, a, really a flashpoint throughout this entire election. Oh. Uh, the Trump people think that they're the Clinton News Network. The Clinton people think that they made Donald Trump a bona fide candidate. Uh-huh. Um, the, the, probably both things can be true at times. But the, what they did last night and what they've done at every debate is they have people on their payroll who are essentially actors playing roles on their set interacting with bona fide political analysts and experts and journalists. And it's a real disservice to the audience. These are people who are being paid by CNN to recite campaign talking points. So if it isn't bad enough that they cover the spin room, which is the only time I'm here with three journalists, you would know this. The spin room after presidential debates is really the only time in American journalism where journalists run to BS instead of running away from it. Stop trying to call it out. So not surprisingly, Kellyanne Conway said they won the debate. And not surprisingly, John Podesta said they won the debate. How does that advance the discussion? How does that help the audience? It, it doesn't. And a lot of money and resources and a real tight time in journalism are being devoted to this and it's As a disservice to the reporting I think. yeah i mean uh, but but uh, let me push back just a little bit i mean i i think the interest in the debates and the election drives this kind of coverage people want to listen to other people talking about it. Now we can talk about the, the, the quality we'll of the people they put do it. on There's the no panel, question right? the interest is high. Ratings are up, clicks are up. Even NPR yeah. put out a release this week Very talking about the numbers are up. outstanding. Very so Trump good news can, for Detroit today. Trump can talk about all he wants about how the media is dishonest and corrupt, but but the American public is consuming it. And it reminds me a lot, well, I was a TV news producer during the O.J. Simpson trial, and back then I would talk to friends on the telephone in my off days because that's what we did. And um, friends would say, I'm so sick of this. How can you do this every day? I'm so sick of it. And, and by the way, what do you think of Mark Furman? And what do you think of this? And what do you think of that? And they'd, all they'd want to do is talk about it. I can't stand it, but I want to know more. This election has been a lot like that. So to some extent, they are feeding consumer demand. But when you talk about what are the parties going to look like in January, what is political coverage going to look like in January? That's also very intriguing right now. Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't know if the if the microphone picked up my groan when you started talking about this, but I mean CNN in particular, you know, by hiring people like Corey Lewandowski and um, there's some woman. I, I was a cord cutter a few months ago, so I really don't pay that much attention. But you're right. They're not only paid actors. They are double paid actors. Corey, Corey Lewandowski is still being paid by the Trump campaign to sure. offer air quote analysis you know, about after this signing a non-disparagement agreement, how yeah. can you possibly provide anything with any kind of insight if you've promised not to say anything bad about one half <laughs> right. of who yeah. you're talking exactly. about? Exactly. Right. These are cheerleaders. And they're mixing them in with with the regular, with David Axelrod's right, of the world, who really adds right. something to who, the discussion. Who, right. uh, Henning Hoag, uh, talk about how that is different in uh, Denmark or Europe than it is here. The media coverage of, uh, of of elections of democracy is is way more, uh, I think, fervent here than it is there. And and it's not that people. Uh, are not paying attention in those other countries. It's that there's just a different role that the that the press plays, I guess. The big difference showed up. It shows up all the time, but it showed up very much so when, when the Trump campaign got hit by its quote-unquote sex scandal with a, 
uh, accusations of sexual harassment. Because in Denmark, the question was, I mean, this candidate has basically threatened world peace by kind of talking about not supporting NATO, has threatening the stability of the American government, and all that is it seems to be okay. But then he says the P word, and that's it, and then he's done for. In Denmark, we go, really? Was that what all it took? So, and and another thing that's very different in in is is the the way that whether it's CNN, MSNBC, or Fox. They all seem to uh, have a, a mutual bad word, which is the elite media or the sure. intellectual media or the mainstream media, <laughs> because it always seems no matter what channel you uh, watch, it's the others. In, in Denmark, <laughs> I mean, in Denmark, I'd like to think that there is an appreciation for an intellectual input, because I mean, I personally would sure as heck would like a president that's smarter than me. Yeah. But in <laughs> right. over here, it's like, oh, he's just sitting there being smart. Which, yes, <laughs> How dare but, that's, but that's can you have a, a beer with him? Yeah, <laughs> that's know. exactly what I was leading up to when when Bush and Al Gore were running. The big difference seemed to be made that in the fact that people would prefer having a beer with George Bush over Al Gore, I would gladly say no to the beer and have somebody who actually knows how to run the country. Then we can have the beer afterwards. I'm not sure. Boy, are you European. (laughs) Let's go back uh, to the phones here. Uh, Jim and Grand Blank. Welcome to Detroit Today, Jim. Hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I'd just like to mention real quick last night that... um, I notice Trump gets a little bit off message sometimes, um, and he kind of repeats himself. But again, he's not a career politician. But when he addressed issues on Hillary about her deleting emails, which is uh, destroying evidence after being subpoenaed by a congressional, uh, you know, subpoena, uh, she just stood there and said nothing. And nobody seems to bring that up. And another thing I want to mention really quick is when she mentioned that her open borders remark was really meant for energy transmission i just about fell out of my chair i'm like uh, that was completely insane but also well, I hold on like, hold on a second jim uh yeah. have you read have you read the email that that they were talking about um i've seen yeah i've seen some of the emails okay. but i can't remember the exact same one so so but in that there, email in that email she's talking about energy she's talking about energy or the leaked the leaked speech uh, uh, that that she was giving, she's talking about energy, and she says, for energy, we we should have open borders with the, you know, being able to trade and and things like that. What what about that? Do you disbelieve? Um, that I'll check on and and you know um, verify that. But I have seen a video of her mentioning just outright that she believes in uh, the hemispherical uh, government and uh, open where, borders. Where where did you see this, Jim? Um, I saw it on YouTube. Okay. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jim, I, I just got to say, that's just flatly not true. Hillary Clinton has never talked about hemispherical government. Uh, good grief. That would, uh, that, I mean, uh, she's never said anything like that. And she has talked about, uh, I mean, and she explained last night again what her immigration policy would look like with reform, but not open borders. I mean, uh, Jim, I guess part of the reason I'm, I'm being a little tough on you is that, that I, I, I fear that information is uh, is an endangered species uh, in, in this uh, political cycle, that, that, that there are a lot of people who say things and repeat them over and over as if they're true when there's actually evidence to show that it's not, and I'm, I guess I'm worried about where you think you saw her say these things, or where you read those things, and and you can go online and read the, you know, what Wiki, WikiLeaks 
exposed about these speeches, and there's stuff in there that bothers me, no question. But what you're talking about, open borders, that's just not in there. Go ahead, Matt. Th- I think this is a symptom of what we've been hearing about over the last week and a half. There are a lot of uh, Trump supporters who are upset because the Access Hollywood video has gotten so much attention and WikiLeaks, they think, has gotten less attention. And the fundamental issue here is it's simple versus complex. And in PR and communications, if it's simple versus complex, simple wins every time. Simple is undefeated. And when you're talking about hacked and leaked emails... It's very complicated, and it's going to take interpretation, and it's going to take time, something that is difficult in this rapid-fire season. You've got to sit and think about what, what, what it says and what it doesn't say, what it means and what it doesn't mean. Even if you, if you look at all the journalism that went into the Flint emails here in Michigan, uh, in the state, and what that took over such a sure. long period of time, sure. you can't expect that that's going to be turned around and interpreted and analyzed and reported the way that the Access Hollywood video would right. be. You, right. you almost get the sense that people are going through this email dump doing control F for, you know, borders. <laughs> I mean, let's see what you, right. or immigration or right. whatever, you know, let's, let's throw all the hot the hot keywords in there and see what she said. And when you can find the words open borders next to one another and her advocating it, advocating something that has that phrase in it, then you can blow it up and yeah. call it, you know, yeah. her immigration uh, Jim, stance. Jim, uh, and, and I want to say this for sure before I let you go, I, I really appreciate your listening to the show and I certainly appreciate your calling. I, I pushed back not because uh, I don't want you to, to, to stay with us, but because I want you to sort of think a little more about uh, the things that you're seeing and reading and try to put them into, into greater context. But again, thanks for the call. Let's go to Rob and Troy. Welcome to Detroit Today, Rob. Hey, Stephen. Thank you, hey. and Good. thanks for the panel. Uh, great discussion. I, I rarely uh, agree more uh, with almost everything I've heard. <laughs> um, i got to say, you know, I feel like we've entered the twilight zone of politics <laughs> and you know, in, in kind of in the pop culture reference, last night for me was like watching uh, life imitate comedy because I, I felt like I was watching Alec Baldwin do Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> the, the no puppet, no puppet, no puppet, and, uh, you know, she's a nasty woman. I mean, he's, he's just out there comments that were flying out of this guy are, are really kind of remarkable. And the whole notion of, Voter fraud really is just more deflection from candidate fraud, right. in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I've run out of adjectives myself. I don't know about you. I, I just, you know, it seems like every week you have to come up with a more intense version of unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard to do. <laughs> right? It's, right? It's like uh, we need new words. I know. <laughs> it's almost kind of the point where the parodies aren't even funny. Because they're so literal they're to too, what really happened. They're too right. close. They're yeah. too close. Donald uh, 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 Alec Baldwin's portrayal, for instance, of Donald Trump on Saturday Night Live has become, I think, right. dangerously close to, yeah. to, to what he's actually saying and not, uh, <laughs> not a parody. Yeah. <laughs> Donald Trump added something to his own parody, though, yesterday. I think by, and maybe it was like funny, unfunny, was that he seemed in some of the answers where he seriously seemingly tried to stick to the subject almost like one minute into a two-minute answer, ran out of kind of factual knowledge to even fill out his own talking time, which right. was a whole new thing. I've never seen that at a debate before. <laughs> People are usually cut off. He was kind of really digging deep in his brain to find something to say, actually, because yeah. he was trying hard to stick to the subject, <laughs> but he right. had nothing to say. His right. flow was sticky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Let's go to Tim in West Bloomfield. Tim, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. 
Um, so I didn't want to talk about the debate. I just had an observation, uh-huh. and I haven't seen any uh, bumper stickers out there. I haven't seen many street you know, uh, signs. I've seen a few, but I even put it out on Facebook. Haven't seen one bumper sticker. No one's seen them in California, Georgia. They're just not out there. Yeah, uh, on on who on which candidate? Either one. Oh, okay. I think it depends where you go. I, it, I was it, in <laughs> I was in Traverse City on business a uh-huh. couple weeks ago, uh-huh. and I saw a lot of signs, mostly for Trump, yeah. uh, on office buildings yeah. and front lawns and everywhere where you'd see it yeah. typically. I was going to yeah. also suggest Tim if you if you go to Macomb County, I feel like there is a little more. Uh, there are a little more signs uh, there in 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 people's yards and stuff like that. I don't know that people use bumper stickers so much anymore. Yeah, I don't like so. My car's too expensive. I don't mess it up with bumper stickers. <laughs> the um, but but you know, a friend of mine uh has a uh, lives in the outskirts of Columbus, Ohio, and has a son at Ohio University, which is deep in Appalachian coal country, southeast of um Columbus. It's sure. also my alma mater, and he's been driving down on the weekends to watch him perform in the marching band, and. He he says, you know, the close, the more, um, you, and you pass through, you can't do that on freeways. You got to take right. a lot of two laners. And he lane said, the home. more down and out and forgotten and poor uh, a town is, the more Trump signs there are. Yeah. He said, yeah. you just I saw, don't. I saw the same thing yesterday as the listener is talking about when I went to Atlanta up north in Michigan, where there supposedly is one of the largest, con- or biggest concentration of Trump voters. Uh-huh. And I was struck by the fact how few road signs there were. Oh, garden signs. I thought it would you be all over the place. Oh. It was a few yeah. Trump mm. pens, and that was pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, before I let you guys go, uh, Matt uh, Friedman, I know you have a suggestion for future debates that you think will make them better. You want to get rid of the live audiences. Oh, me too. I do. I do. I think, <laughs> I think back to the debate that you moderated uh, when Rick Snyder was running against Verge Bernero and it was done in a basically empty TV studio. It was. And it was very professional. It was above board. It accomplished everything the moderators wanted it to. And it was good for the citizens of Michigan. And last night, what got in the way was the laughter and the applause. It wasn't as bad last night as it was at the second debate. I think they probably started, and this is an educated guess, with the audience when they moved debates out of TV studios because technology allowed them to go to places like college campuses. And it may have been students and professors and people <laughs> like that getting a glimpse at democracy in yeah, action. Yeah. But it's become a form of political patronage and who gets the ticket and who gets in there. It's like added value for donors. So that doesn't benefit society. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and I think it's something the commission should think about. It leads to those ridiculous stunts that we have seen from the Trump campaign with, you know, Stacking I'm going to bring in right? Malik Obama. I'm going to bring in uh, the three women. And, you know, it, it it did lead to a great Saturday Night Live moment, you know, last <laughs> week with the Hey Girls. Yeah. But, that, <laughs> but you know, I, there's absolutely no I reason don't know. for that. I, I, I go back and forth. I mean, uh, you're right about 2010 and the debate that with Snyder and Bernero. But in 2014, Shower and Snyder, we did it at Wayne State in it, an auditorium. In a small auditorium because the, yeah. the, there were questions from the audience. Right. That, that's so right. the, the audience, audience wasn't just there to be an just, audience. Right. It was participatory. Your memory is much better than mine. Plus it was Shower <laughs> and you, Snyder. You moderate a lot more stuff than I work on behind <laughs> the scenes. Right. Uh, Henning, go ahead. I'll give you the last word here. <laughs> what about audiences at debates? I think it's a good idea that we should do it without the audience because it has been truly a depressing sight that... <laughs> 
that uh, dragging in former quote unquote mistresses yeah, or victims. It's or gotten really the poor half brother yesterday. I I caught a glimpse of him on CNN. I think, and the poor man was standing alone in the studio, like he landed from a different planet. Yeah, I'm I mean, sure. I, Trump I, I, had long gun. Nobody yeah. cared. And Trump was and he was not just standing there. He looked so lonely. Person. I felt bad yeah. for him. Maybe <laughs> we maybe we could bring in some Danes. You know, they're all <laughs> like right. uh, they're all very you know they're sensible even, people. Even yeah, yeah. Right. take it easy. <laughs> all right, Nancy Derringer, reporter at Bridge Magazine, Matt. Friedman of the Tanner Friedman PR firm and Henning Hoag, journalist with Denmark Paper BT Daily. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank All right. You. Coming up next, we're going to talk with a three-time Oscar-nominated actress from Detroit who's going to be hosting a benefit tonight at the DIA. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Detroit Today.